Well, uh, good morning to all of you. It's so lovely to see you. Welcome to those of you on the live stream as well. Uh, Let's pray, shall we, before uh, we begin. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are head over every power and authority. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would reign over us today as I speak. Amen. Amen. Well, um, before we have our Bible reading, I wonder what you think of when you see the title of our new sermon series, Reboot. What do you think of when you hear that word, reboot? Maybe you think Control-Alt-Delete on your computer when it all goes wrong. Uh, Maybe you think of uh, the reboot of an old TV series. Uh, But what I particularly love you to think about, particularly for this sermon, as we start this three-week series on reboot, I particularly love you to think about uh, this. Now, uh, you may or you may not know what this is. Uh, My uh, grandpa, who is long uh, since dead, uh, he was a farmer. His name was Rolf, and um, when I was little, I wanted to be like him. And uh, I was a little bit confused. I used to say to people, when I grow up, I want to be called Farmer Rolf, because I thought that to be a farmer, you had to be called Rolf. Um, But um, Grandpa, uh, Farmer Rolf, uh, used to have this in his office, uh, in his house, and it is a barograph. Uh, And a barograph is like a kind of barometer, so it measures air pressure. Uh, And what it does is you've got this drum here, and this drum slowly, when you wind it up, this drum slowly uh, rotates uh, around over the course of a week. And then you've got this lever here, and it goes up and down depending on the air pressure. So over the course of the week, as the lever goes up and down, so on the graph paper, you get a graph of the air pressure going uh, over the whole week. Uh, And Grandpa, he found this the most useful thing he could possibly have as a farmer to determine when he was going to plant and when he was going to harvest his crops. And every single week, without fail, Grandpa would put on a new uh, bit of graph paper. And when I was there, I'd look at it and I'd be fascinated by this thing, but I wasn't allowed to touch until now. Um, When Grandpa died, as I said, many years ago, uh, in his will, I got given this this paragraph. And if I'm honest, it has just sat on our mantelpiece uh, for the last however many, 10, 15 years that it is. It's just sat there, not working, not wound up, just looking nice to look at. It's just sat there until last week uh, when Hope, who's our seven-year-old daughter, suddenly was absolutely fascinated by it and wanted to know how it works. So uh, what did we do? We looked at it and we rebooted it. We got the key and we wound it up and it was still working. And what was the very first thing that we needed to do once we'd worked out that it was still working And The first thing, once we'd rebooted it, the first thing we needed to do was recalibrate it. We had to make sure that actually the air pressure that it was reading was actually what it was. We had to recalibrate it. And I tell you that now, and I want you to, to think on this now, because I reckon for us, as we increasingly reboot, as we increasingly get moving again, as we increasingly wind ourselves up as we're allowed out of lockdown, as we, as we reboot for this post-pandemic era, I think the first thing that you and I need to do also is to recalibrate. We need to recalibrate. We need to check our settings and to correct our settings where our settings, your settings, my settings, where they have gone askew. 
I don't know if any of you have read any of these articles that have been coming out in the paper the last few weeks. There's been loads of them. I'm just going to show you the headline of a couple of them, just so you can get the picture of the, all these articles saying, giving the verdict on how um, we are all feeling at the moment. So first of all, um, here's a Times comment piece uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Times said this. It said, neither up nor down, lots of us are languishing. A psychologist has pinpointed the state between depression and flourishing that afflicts many of us after a year of COVID. And then across the pond in, uh, in the New York Times, there was this article. It said this. There's, it was titled, There's a name for the blah you're feeling. It's called languishing. The neglected middle child of mental health can dull your motivation and focus, and it may be the dominant emotion of 2021. And let's be honest, as Christians, I don't think we have been immune to this languishing, to this blah, to this, this middle state, not depression, nor flourishing. If you are plotting it on grandpa's graph paper, it's not 0%, it's not 100%, it's sort of 50%. We are languishing. We're languishing in life, but perhaps also we're languishing in our faith. You know, I've had a number of people uh, just in the conversations with them in the last couple of weeks, and they've said something to me along the lines of this. They said, I don't doubt the evidence for Jesus, but I doubt what difference Jesus makes in my life. You know, he, he doesn't seem to, to intervene in my life. He doesn't seem to answer my prayers. He, he doesn't seem to heal me. I'm disappointed with Jesus. I'm languishing in my faith as I plod through this languishing life. And the situation in Colossae that Paul was writing to in the book of the Bible that we're going to be looking at over these next three weeks, the book of Colossians, well, the people of Colossae, actually, they were in a similar situation. Not a pandemic, no, they weren't in a pandemic, but there was a sense amongst the Christians in Colossae, too, that they were languishing. That Jesus, he, he wasn't enough. That Jesus, he wasn't all he's cracked up to be. That they needed something more than Jesus. Let me read you, uh, we're going to read uh, today Colossians 2, verses 6 to 10. And I'm going to come up on the screen, and I think these, these few verses, these five verses, if you like, they give something of the theme of the whole letter of Colossians. Let me read them to you. Paul writes this. He says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So first, let's correct our settings about Jesus. Let's recalibrate our view of Jesus. Verse six, the first verse I read there, it says this. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. But who is this Jesus that we've received? Who is he? Well, take uh, in the previous chapter, take Colossians 1, verse 13. It says this, it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you see there, Jesus is rescuer. 
Jesus Christ is rescuer. Receiving Jesus means he rescues us from darkness and we're brought into Jesus' kingdom through the forgiveness of sins. He rescues us. No one else can do that. When it comes to verse eight in our reading, there are no other philosophies, whether human traditions, other spiritualities. There's nothing else that can rescue you and me from the dominion of darkness. No one else can do that but Jesus. A while ago, there was um, some tourists and they were in Notre Dame Cathedral and they were looking at a, a picture of Jesus dying on the cross in the cathedral when the bishop walked past. And the bishop said, I can tell you a story about that picture. And the bishop told them this story of this hardened, rebellious gang of teenagers who, to let someone new into their gang, they'd make the new teenager uh, perform a dare before they were allowed into the gang. And the bishop told them about this one teenage boy who, for the dare that he was given to get into this gang, the dare was he had to come into the cathedral. He had to stand in front of this picture of Jesus dying on the cross and he had to shout out loud three times at the top of his voice, Jesus Christ, you died for me and I don't give a damn. So this boy, he came in. He stood in front of this picture of Jesus dying on the cross and he shouted out, Jesus Christ, you died for me. And then he broke down in tears unable to continue that sentence, just overcome and in awe of Jesus' incredible love for him, that Jesus died on the cross to rescue him. And the tourists asked the bishop, they said, how did you hear that story? The bishop said, I didn't hear that story. That boy was me. Now you and I, we will have a different story, each one of us. But for every single one of us, there will have come a moment, if we're a follower of Jesus, there will have come a moment when the light was switched on. There will have come a moment when suddenly we were in awe and amazement at Jesus' incredible love for us in rescuing us from that dominion of darkness and rescuing us from our sin and our shame and our condemnation. Jesus, our rescuer. But that's not all Jesus is. He isn't just our rescuer. Take chapter one of Colossians, verse 16. It says, for in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. It's incredible, isn't it? Jesus, he is a ruler, he is Lord. He's ruling over all creation and he is ruling over our lives. The, uh, the wonderful John Stott, uh, who died about 10 years ago, he's been in, sort of in the press a lot the last couple of weeks, people uh, celebrating him and all that he did and taught uh, because it's 100 years ago since he was born. And I had the real privilege when I worked at All Souls Langham Place of uh, calling him a colleague, uh, calling him a friend, calling him like a spiritual grandpa to me and to many others. And one of the things that John Stott was famous for saying was this. He said, Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He's Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. So your work life, your love life, your finances, your fears, your strengths, your weaknesses, your faith, your doubt, your present, your future, your flourishing, your languishing, Jesus Christ, he's Lord over it all, or he's not Lord at all. He is ruler over every single bit of our lives. Rescuer, ruler, but it's still not all. Take chapter one, 
of Colossians verse 27. Paul talks about the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is resident. Jesus is resident. When you receive Jesus, Jesus, he comes to live in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Jesus Christ is not just a person who died for us on a cross 2,000 years ago. He's not just this remote God ruling on high from the comfort of heaven. No, Jesus Christ, he is living in you by his spirit. He's in relationship with you. He's empowering you with his gifts. He, he is encouraging you and transforming you from the inside out more and more to into his likeness, the fruit of the spirit. So at this very moment, as we're in, if you like, this reboot time as, as we come out of lockdown, please let's first, let's get our settings right about Jesus. Because maybe today, as I explain Jesus, who he is, rescuer, ruler, resident, maybe you say, maybe I've misunderstood. Maybe I've forgotten. Maybe I've become disillusioned with who Jesus is over this last year. Maybe you've never known. Maybe you've been relating to Jesus only as one or two of those three things. When he is all three, he is rescuer, he is ruler, and he is resident. Maybe on, on the graph paper, as it were, you haven't seen Jesus. He's 100% rescuer, he's 100% ruler, he's 100% resident. Verse nine of our, our reading, chapter two, tells us, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness so please, can you and I recalibrate your view of Jesus? Recalibrate it. Just, just look at verse six again, the first verse of our reading. It gives us the definition of being a Christian. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. And you know, there may be some people here today and you've not yet received Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus this last year or, or you know that you've, you've, you've not yet received Jesus as your rescuer and your ruler and your resident. And actually today is the day when you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to open the door to you. I want to receive you as my ruler, rescuer and resident. Now that would be the most amazing thing to do. Many of you will um, know of the, the sudden and devastating death of uh, Shanali Tisarachi uh, a few weeks ago uh, at the age of 36. Uh, part of our church family, and there'll be some of you here who knew her well. And uh, her funeral, was, it was a couple of days ago. Uh, it was in Australia. Uh, her body had been flown back to Australia to be with her family, and, and the funeral uh, was on Friday. And those of you who knew Shanali will have known what an absolute star she was. She just shone so brightly for the Lord Jesus. And on Friday, Friday night at 1 a.m., in the middle of the night, there Susanna and I were, we were sitting in bed and watching on the live stream at Shanali's funeral with, with tears streaming down our faces. And the pastor who was leading that uh, funeral service for Shanali, he gave the most wonderful address. And I just want to quote a few lines of what he said. This is what he said. He said, the truth is that none of us have a promise or a guarantee about tomorrow. 
We don't know how long or how short our lives will be. But one thing we do know is that however long this life is, it is but a speck in comparison to what God has planned and prepared for us in eternity. He said it's great that everyone has come to celebrate Shanali's life. It's great that everyone has come to offer support and comfort to the family. But the most important thing for today is that people would reconnect with a God who loves them. That people would come back. That people would make a decision about Jesus. I am sure, he said, that Shanali would join me in urging you, entreating you, appealing to you to do so now. And very simply, can I join in that appeal today? To each one of us, correct your settings about Jesus. Recalibrate your view of Jesus and receive him as your Lord today. Now, I'm I'm, I'm only about sort of two-thirds. I've done one of my two points. I'm just going to actually stop, I think, and I'm going to carry on my sermon in a moment, but I just want to pray now. Um, I just want to take a moment for us to pray. Um, And um, it just may be that there's people here and actually you're saying right now, I want and I need to make a decision to receive Jesus. To receive him as my rescuer and my ruler and my resident. Maybe there's others of us here and actually we're saying, yeah, I, I have done that. But actually, I know I need to, to recalibrate my view of Jesus. Actually, if I look at the last months and lockdown and times, actually my view of Jesus has shrunk. And I need to receive him again as a 100% rescuer, 100% ruler, 100% resident. So just as we just take a moment of quiet, you may want to close your eyes. And um, just there'll be some people here. And actually, you're saying, I want to receive Jesus today. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And just, you might just want to echo it in your heart as I pray. Just say to Jesus now, Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I'm sorry for living my life separate from you all with a shrunken view of you. And today, Jesus, I thank you for rescuing me through your death on the cross. Today, Jesus, I receive you as my ruler, Lord of all my life. And today, Jesus, I ask you to come and be resident in me by your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's a wonderful day. It's an amazing day. Now, where was I? Sorry, I don't often do that prayer in the middle of a talk, but um, um, let let me continue. Let's look again. Um, at um, the first verse there. Two, two, Colossians 2 verse 6. Colossians 2 verse 6. Have a look at it again. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. 
That's what we've just been thinking about. That's recalibrating your view of Jesus to receive him as your 100% ruler, rescuer, resident. But the verse continues, doesn't it? It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, it then goes on, continue to live your lives in him, in Jesus. Rooted and built up in him, in Jesus. And so this is about, the second half of the verse, it's about recalibrating, not just our view of Jesus, but it's about recalibrating our own faith. It's about getting our settings right of what our faith looks like as we continue our lives as followers of Jesus. Recalibrating our faith, this is vital. You see, what, I've, uh, what I said is, I think the most common feeling that I am hearing at the moment is this feeling of languishing, of languishing. You know, just as it was back in Colossae, that, that feeling of, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty rubbish Christian, I'm feeling fairly second rate, you know, my faith feels blah, uh, you know, 50% tops, no one comes to faith through me, I don't see Jesus transforming situations, I don't see Jesus transforming me, I don't see Jesus healing people, I don't see my prayers being answered, I don't have the gift of tongues or prophecy or preaching, I'm in a job that feels like it's got nothing to do with Jesus at all and I've just been stuck in my room on Zoom for the last year, you know, my quiet times with God quite frankly they have been pants my faith is languishing can you relate to any of that can you relate well listen up if you are sitting here today as a follower of Jesus you have received Jesus as rescuer God for you. You've received Jesus as ruler, God over you. You have received Jesus as resident, God in you. And you know, the really striking thing is this, we're used to the fact that when we talk about God sovereignly ruling over this world, we're used to it being talked about God the Father sovereignly ruling over the world. But here's Paul, he's writing to the Colossians and what does he say? He doesn't talk about God the Father, he talks about God the Son, Jesus ruling over this world. And we're used to, when we talk about the fact that God lives in us, we're used to uh, it being talked about God the Spirit lives in us. And yet again, here is Paul writing to the Colossians. And no, he says, God the Son, Jesus Christ is resident. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you see, Paul does that. He refers to Jesus when we might expect him to refer to the Father or the Spirit because he wants you and I to realise that if we are in Christ, then we have total, complete fullness in Jesus. We are not lacking in any way as a Christian. Look at verse 10, coming up on the screen. It says, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. It says, in Christ, you are full. Please, would you and I, would you recalibrate our faith? In Christ, we are full. We're full. You don't need topping up with gifts or, or skills or knowledge or experience to be a full-on, complete Christian. If your calibration lever, if it is pointing at anything less than 100%, if on the graph paper you're saying, I'm only a 50% Christian, I'm not like so-and-so, they're much better Christian than me. If you're languishing, if you're thinking, I'm a bit of a rubbish, second-rate Christian, can I encourage you, recalibrate. Change your settings. In Christ, you are full. You are a 100% complete full Christian. Whether you've been a Christian just three minutes and you prayed that prayer that I just prayed three minutes ago, or whether you've been a Christian 30 years, you are full in Christ. 
Now, now let me clarify that by giving you an encouragement and a challenge that comes with that statement, in Christ you're full. Here's the encouragement. To say in Christ you're full, 100%, it is not saying that it's wrong to struggle. Our, Our feelings of how we are may in all sorts of ways be less than 100% for all sorts of reasons, all sorts of circumstances, all sorts of struggles in our life. Many people at the moment, many of us, we may feel languishing. Most of the time, our feelings are going to be less than 100%, you know, totally flourishing. But here's the huge encouragement. That even if we are feeling that we are not flourishing, even if we are depressed or languishing or whatever it is we might feel, even then, our status as a Christian, it is totally full. Your status, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord, is fully a Christian. A hundred percent, there is nothing substandard or second rate about your faith. In Christ, you are full. Hopefully, you've heard me clearly on that. So that's the encouragement. But here's the challenge. To say in Christ you are full doesn't mean that you and I should not be growing or deepening or maturing or hungering for more as a Christian. Quite the opposite, in fact. Our status, all fullness in Christ, that status should encourage us to mature and to grow as disciples of Jesus. And if we're not hungering for that, we need to try and work out why. Think of a human relationship. Think of my marriage to Susanna. Uh, In two months' time, Susanna and I will be celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, um, Now, just wind the clock back 20 years. That day we got married. When we got married, we were 100% married, weren't we? That was our status. We were 100% married. We were no less married than somebody who'd been married for decades. We were 100% fully married. But over the course of the last 20 years, have we grown and deepened and matured in our relationship? You bet we have. Of course we have. I mean, there'd be a problem if we hadn't, wouldn't there? A big problem. And it's exactly the same in our relationship with Jesus. Have a look on the screen at what Paul prays for the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 9. He says this. He says, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you and we continually ask God to fill you. So he said we are full as Christians and yet he prays for God to fill us. It's the same word in the Greek. And you see, the key is that we don't need to look anywhere else other than Jesus to be filled. Jesus Christ, he is the one that fills us. You know, we have had information overload this last year, haven't we? We have had information overload in our all too insular worlds. And whilst there may be lots that we've heard that is useful in podcasts or mindfulness or woke thinking or vaccine statistics or whatever else it might have been that we have been bombarded with, none of those things fill us. Only Jesus Christ fills us. And so HTC, as a church, At this moment of reboot, as we're rebooting, as we're winding up the key, as we're heading out of lockdown more, as we're entering into this new era, just as we received Christ Jesus as Lord, so I pray 
than in the coming weeks, months, and years. So I pray that we continue to live our lives in Jesus, to be rooted and built up in Jesus, to be strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and to be overflowing with thankfulness. And you know, that will happen. That will happen even if we are languishing, even if we are feeling blur, even if we are feeling second rate as a Christian for whatever reason at all. That will happen if we recalibrate our faith. If we recalibrate our faith and recognize that in Christ, we are full. And in Christ, we are full filled.